Live. This morning, we're going to invite your attention to the book of St. John, uh, chapter number 17. It's where we're going to begin today. We've been doing a, a teaching. We've been doing a teaching. The Lord has given us a series uh, in, in regards to weapons of warfare. We've been dealing with uh, our spiritual weapons that God has given unto us. Spiritual weapons that God has given unto us. Because we cannot fight the enemy uh, with our fleshly weapons. We, we can't do that. We have to use uh, a spiritual weapons in order to defeat the enemy. Oftentimes we like to use our mouths. We like to use our hands. Uh, and, and that doesn't do any good. Amen. That does no good whatsoever. But in order to defeat the enemy, and the enemy is a, is a spirit, we have to use spiritual weapons in order to defeat him. And God has spoken to us about uh, the, using the, the, the weapon of, of praise to defeat the enemy. We dealt with praise. Uh, we also dealt with fasting. Fasting, um, it, un, it undo uh, the heavy burdens. It, it uh, uh, loosens the bands of wickedness. Uh, fasting breaks yokes. So, and it, it brings forth great things. And also God talked to us last week about prayer, but not just plain prayer. Meaning to, to pray with passion. So a lot of times we go through the motions in praying, but we don't pray with passion. That's why we don't see results. A lot of times we say, well, I, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and I don't see anything. Well, we get to uh, do an inventory and see are we really praying with passion. We have to pray with passion because prayer is a spiritual weapon. So when you pray with passion, it moves the hand of God. So this morning we're going to do with uh, um, a, a warfare, uh, the weapons of warfare part four. And it's going to deal with unity. It's going to deal with unity. Unity is another spiritual weapon that God has given unto us. Amen. So we're going to look at St. John chapter number 17. We're going to begin at St. John chapter number 17. It's, it's ironic that, that before Jesus Christ goes to the cross, that he himself deals with unity. So that let us know how important unity is. If Jesus is going to the cross and he's not even thinking about his own life, but he is thinking about the body of Christ being unified, that let me know that God puts, puts a, a, a high mindset on the fact of being unified. So let's see what Jesus says about unity. And in chapter number 7, here he's in dialogue with, with his disciples. He's in dialogue also with the Father. He's about to uh, enter into that place where he is about to bring salvation to the entire world. So he talks to his Father. He talks about being glorified himself with the glory that he had with his Father before he came here to earth. But then he gives a message here for those that are left behind. And it's one about unity. Looking at John chapter number 17, and we're going to begin reading number 11. It says, and now, Jesus is speaking, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. He's talking about his disciples and those that's going to come thereafter. He said, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. 
And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou have given me, that they may be what? They may be one as we are. I don't have a problem with participation. Amen. Amen. I don't have a problem with that. It's okay to, to participate. So, once again, Jesus is saying to, uh, here in this verse, uh, verse number 11, as he's speaking to the Father, he says, Keep through thine own name those whom thou have given me, that they may be what? One as we are. Now, in John chapter 10, verse number 30, Jesus says, I am my Father, we are one. So, what he's saying to the body, to the body of Christ, is that he wants them to be one as he and his Father is one. So, I took the liberty. So, what is, what is one? What is, what is oneness? What is one? Uh, the word oneness of one means having the same mind. When, when we begin to look over our relationships, we begin to to look in our church houses, we begin to look um, upon our jobs and wherever we may encounter, see if we are operating in the spirit, even in our own home, see if we're operating in the spirit of oneness. Oneness is having the same mind, the same mind. So what mind is that? Somebody said, well, they need to follow me and I need to follow. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. And with the mind of Christ, Christ has the mind of his father. So we have to be in one mind in order to be in a, in, in a state of oneness. Not only is it to have one mind, but we also have to be in one spirit. You have to be in one spirit. Oneness means wholeness. It means being uh, 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 operating uh, in unity or to be united. Now, I, I, I thought about, okay, God, give me an example. Give me an example about oneness. Give me an example about oneness. I need an example about oneness. So, so to look for an example about oneness, what God did was, what God shared was, he says, think about a band. Think about a band. And I think most of us can connect with the fact that if you've ever seen a band, a band, when they, when they began to play, right before they began to perform, what happens is, they're all different type of instruments. You got the saxophone, you got the trombone, you got the drums, you, you, you got the clarinet, you got the flute. And before they begin, what happens, they're all sitting there. And while they are sitting there, what they see is this. Uh, somebody might be uh, practicing one song if they, they're going to record. Someone else might be practicing another uh, a song. So it's a whole lot of confusion going on. They're all different sounds. But when, it, when they become to a place of unity, this is what happens. All of a sudden, you see this conductor shows up on stage. When the conductor shows up on stage, at that point, everybody's not going in different ways or playing a different tune. Can y'all can can grasp that? Now, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get through this with all these distractions. Amen. Amen. But, you know, we're going to work it out. Amen. So, so once you understand, when you're talking about that, that, that conductor, those, put, those persons that are playing uh, their flute or their clarinet or their saxophone or their drum, and if I don't happen to call out your instrument, it's okay because I don't know them all, okay? So, so don't, don't be offended. So, so when they all are making different sounds, and, but when the conductor comes up, he, he kind of puts his hands up, and all of a sudden everybody comes in unity. 
Everybody becomes one. And once they all becomes one, and he raises his hand for them to begin to play, then they all are playing the same song. There's not a whole lot of different uh, 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 songs being played. They are uh, in oneness. They, they are united. And, and the thing about unity is this, and this is amazing. It says, unity brings harmony. Anybody need any harmony? Hello? <laughs> unity brings harmony, and from harmony, it brings a melody. Um, where's the melody? The melody is in your heart. So when we are united, the, the, the spirit is totally different. It's, it's just, it's just a, 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 a sweet melody, a sweet song is going on in the heart. So, so this is what Christ is saying. He's, it's so important that we operate in oneness. Now, the second thing God says to us is, if we're going to be successful at anything, you've got to be united. No matter what it is, whatever you're approaching in life, if you're going to be successful... Uh, if you're going to accomplish anything, you've got to be united. You've got to be as one. And the next thing is this. Everybody must be going in the same directions. And you know why? Because when we're not going in the same direction, it gives the enemy a, 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 a toehold in, in the midst of our unity. So it's important that everybody goes in, in the same direction. And you know the Satan's number one weapon that he has. Satan's number one weapon that he has. His number one weapon is this unity. Why? Because a house divided can't stand. Right? A house divided cannot stand. So therefore, what Satan does, he, he, he disunifies us. Not only in a house, but you know what else is disunified? He disunifies the temple. See, we are the temple. If there's no oneness here, then there can be no oneness out there. If we're not one within our own self with God, then we cannot be one with anybody else. So if, if, if internally we're jacked up, can I say that? If internally we're jacked up, everything else out there is going to be jacked up. Why? Because that's what we're giving off. So therefore we must understand the first call of the day is we've got to be united within ourselves. See, sometimes we can be divided in our own self. One day we feel like a nut, and hello, and the next day we don't feel like a nut, right? So what do you call that? Divided, right? I figure soon later I get some smiles on some faces, amen, because y'all are so solemn here, you know. So, so, so what day, today, what state are you in? Do you feel like a nut, or do you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm one today, I'm okay today, amen? So we got to be very careful and uh, begin to look at our own selves and see exactly what's going on. We know when we're divided within. We know. We know. Nobody has to tell us. So going back, Jesus, it was so, unity was so important to Christ that he prays to the Father and prays on behalf of the others. Now, when we look at verse, we're going to look at verse number 20. Verse number 20 in, in the same chapter, John chapter number 17. Verse number 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through that word. So for those folks that said, well, he was just talking to his disciples. No. He says, not only do I, do I pray for them to be unified as, as the Father and, and he was, he said, I pray for those that's coming along the way. So the, the message God is saying is he wants us to be unified. Unified within ourselves and unified outside of ourselves. So, so already Jesus prays for us to be one and be united. Amen. 
Then verse 21 says that they all, how many? Not some. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. So Jesus acknowledges he wants the, the, the body of Christ to be just like he and his Father. In other words, Jesus says, I don't speak anything of my own. What I say is what my Father says. So when, when God speaks to Jesus, and Jesus is only speaking what the Father says, and, and, and show you how God uh, loves unity so much that Jesus speaks this. He says, when the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, when he comes, he's going to testify of Jesus. He's not going to testify of himself. So in other words, it's not God talking and Jesus talking and the Holy No, they all are speaking the same message. And that message comes from God. That's what unity is all about. If you're not speaking the same message, that means you're disunified. Amen. Amen. Help us, help us Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That, that's what that means. But Jesus, the beauty of it, Christ has already prayed that we be unified. He says that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Then now not only we're one with one another, but we have to be one in, in Christ as well as in God. Be one with one another. Then he goes on to say that, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Interesting. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Do you not know that when we are unified, it sends a message to the world? And when we are disunified, we also sends a message to the world. Why do you think most people say, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be in no church. I do the same thing they do in the world. Amen. Hello, amen. So it's according to what message we're sending. If we can ever grasp the message that God has for us, unity, how powerful unity is. It sends a message to the world that the church is unified, that we're one with one another, and we're one in God. Now let's go on a little bit further, and let's talk about how serious God takes this thing called unity. Unity now, remember, is another weapon of warfare. It's another weapon that you need to fight, or I need, to fight the enemy. We call it unity. It, it, it's a spiritual weapon that we need. Just like praise, just like fasting, just like uh, uh, praying with passion, unity is another spiritual weapon that we as the body of Christ needs. Amen? You know, the devil, he, he, he can easily become unified. He can come up with something. That, it can be totally wrong, but he can get enough folk together, and they'll go forward and do some stuff, and you know it's crazy, and you know it's wrong, right? So let's go to Psalms uh, chapter 133. Let's deal with Psalms. Don't mess with your minds a little bit, okay? We're going to go to Psalms 133. Psalms. Remember now, we're talking about unity, right? We're talking about unity. We're going to look at Psalms 133. Are we there? Psalms 133. Verse number one. It's very powerful. Only has three verses, but very powerful. Very, very, very powerful. Now, verse one says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to do what? Dwell together in what? Unity. So here's David. He, 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 
David's assumptions. He's, he's writing this. He says, how, how beautiful and, and how pleasant and how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You would think that is the only thing that, that verse is saying. You, we would think. At least I thought it for a minute. <laughs> so, so let's just dig a little bit deeper in this verse about uh, unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell. I took the liberty to, to look up the word dwell. The word dwell there in the Hebrew, it means to live. Interesting. And from to live, to live, it also means in the Hebrew, the word Shabbat. Now, the word Shabbat in, in, in Hebrew, it means rest. And I asked God, I said, what are you saying there? Well, what, what are you saying? How, what is it about rest? What it is about the Shabbat has to do with unity. What does it have to do with unity? And, and as I continue to, to, to search it out, that word there, Shabbat, not only means rest, but it's also talking about the Sabbath rest. It's talking about the Sabbath. So God is comparing unity with Sabbath rest. Well, what is it about the Sabbath rest that we need to understand? Now, let me tell you something about this year, the year 2015. The year 2015 is what they call the Shemekah. Now, the Shemekah is... Wherein every seven years, there is a release. God told us of, of the, um, back in December and the first of the year, he told us this year was going to be a year of financial gain. It's going to be a year of financial gain. It's a year of opportunity. It, it, it's a year uh, that God's going to do great and mighty things. Now, there's a reason why they call this year the Samika. Every seven years, we're talking about the Jewish calendar. We're talking about, we're not talking about our uh, normal calendar because we got that from the Romans. But what we need to understand, there's something that's happening in the year 2015. And there is going to be a great release in this year, the year 2015. So sometimes we get the Sabbath all mixed up. We, we, we worry about uh, it's supposed to be a certain day, got to be this, but... We're going to look at, we're going to look at what Jesus is really saying when he talks about the Sabbath, okay? Y'all want to learn something today? Amen. Let's go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 25. Leviticus chapter number 25. Now hold your place in Psalms 133 because we're coming back, okay? Let's go to the book of Leviticus chapter number 25. I'm going to give you a minute to get there. Now Old Testament, Leviticus chapter Number 25, because we want to look at, uh, in the Old Testament, how they dealt with the Sabbath and why they dealt with it the way they did and what purpose did it hold. Amen. Are we there? Okay. Leviticus chapter number 25, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. Are we there? Verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, when you come into the land, they had to enter into a, a physical land called Canaan. You know, in the spirit of it means to bow down before the Lord. He, says, he goes on and says, when ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a what? A Sabbath unto the Lord. 
when you enter in into the new land, it says, Then shall you keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Verse 3 says, Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. Verse 4 says, But in the seventh year ye shall but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. So what does that mean? It says in the sixth year, in the sixth year, uh, you, you, don't, you don't prune anything, you, uh, you, gather, you gather the fruit. But he says in the seventh year, uh, it should be a, a year of a, a Sabbath rest. A lot of times we don't get the produce that we have, and I'm going to uh, go a little bit natural on you. A lot of times we don't get the produce that we have in the fields. It's because we have really overworked the land. You see, every come to the seventh year, the land that we know, the land out here, it is supposed to be at rest. And see, what we have done because, oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Because we have come, became so greedy, <laughs> We won't, we refuse to allow the land to rest according to what God says in his word. So, and what do I do while the land is resting? What does, and with Jerusalem and, and the Jews, they, they have farmland. What do they do during the time that they are not farming? The land is at rest. You know where they spend their time? They spend their time with God. So, think about our own personal lives. How much time do we really spend with God? See, what happened then, they labored, they labored, they labored, but they had no time for God. So what about us? Do we labor and labor and labor and labor, but do we have any time for God? So what God is saying, he says, in this year, because I'm going to bless you, because those things that you're, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit, I hear He says, some of these people that's working all this overtime, or some of y'all that's working all this overtime, and, and, you, and your life is so filled with work, 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 work. God said, this is what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to bless you so you ain't going to need that overtime. I received that one. Amen. I, only had, I got one person that received it. So the rest, I almost said some Holy Spirit helped me. So the rest of y'all want just work, right? Y'all want work, work, work. Listen, if God tells me he's going to cut that out and he's going to bless me in another way so I don't have to do that, would literally be a fool to want to go labor anyway when the Father has already told me, I'm going to bless you in this 2015 year beyond measure. Amen? So y'all, those that that's want to do all that extra overtime and wear out your body, go right ahead. But you know what? Those of us that's going to receive the Word of God, amen, we're going to receive the Word of God and we're going to rest in the Lord because this is going to be our Sabbath rest and we're going to spend time in, with the Lord because all that labor Oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. I hear your Holy Spirit. So, so what have you gained with all the laboring you've been doing? So, so, so what have you been gaining? Do you have more? Uh, can you bless more? Can you feed more? Well, when God says, well, what you, what you been gaining? But God said, what's going to happen? He said, I'm going to bless you if you can receive my word. And not only if you receive my word, he said, but you're going to have to spend some time with me. That's why I'm going to cut that overtime out. And then what you think that you're missing, God said, I'm going to pour it in. I'm going to pour it in so you can spend that time with me. See, this is the year of the Shemekah. It's a year of release. It's a year of release. 
You better get it this year because after this year, I'm telling you, hell is coming up. Hell is coming up. Come 2016, you can expect hell to come up. Amen. Amen. Now, watch what happens. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, slow down. And we're going to be finished quickly. Amen. Now, look what else happens with unity coming from the Sabbath rest. Because it's important to understand that. Looking at verse number 21 in the same chapter, Leviticus chapter 25. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I hear you, Holy Spirit. You should slow down a little bit. Okay. Look at verse number 1, verse number 21, in Leviticus chapter number 25. This is what happens when we operate in unity. It says, Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year. 2014 was our sixth year, okay? Because every, every seven years, the Shemekah comes around. It says, And it shall bring forth fruit. For how many years? Three years. Now, I, listen, I want every bit what God has for me. That if, if I enter into that covenant agreement with God, God says, I'm going to command. He says, when you talk about a command from God, he says, I'm going to command that blessing. Unity brings about blessings from God. This unity does not bring about blessings from the Lord. He says, then I will command my blessing Upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. Verse 22 says, And you shall sow the eighth year, and eat, which is a new beginning, and eat yet of all fruit until the ninth year. The ninth year is, is the Christ in man. Huh. The, the, the ninth year represents the Christ in man. Until her fruit come in, ye shall eat of the old soil. In other words, God said, I'm going to bless you so much. You ain't going to have to worry about it. Amen. See, some of us got a problem. When I say some of us, I don't mean in the body here. I mean, and it could be. But I'm talking about the body of Christ as, as a whole. Some of us got such a poverty mentality, we, can, we don't think we can have beyond that. Amen. We, 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 we don't understand that, that God does not operate in, in poverty. God is not a God of poverty. Amen. God is a God of multiplication. That, that's who he is. Now, let's go back to, to Psalms. 133. Psalms 133. Let's go back to Psalms 133. Okay? Because we talked about when we, when we operate in that Sabbath rest, what happens is it brings about unity. Now, I already know God's going to command a blessing because of unity. Now, look at verse number 2 and let's see what unity brings and how it's compared to. Now, verse 2 says unity, because that's what we're talking about. Unity, which is a spiritual weapon. It is like the precious. Precious means unity is rare. Hello? Unity is rare. Unity is rare in the church, and unity is rare in the world. It's rare. It says, it is like the precious or is a rare ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Okay, what are you saying here, God? What are you saying? Unity is so rare. It is so rare. But what, what, what the psalmist does here, he compares it with the oil running down and it's hitting Aaron's beard. It's okay, God. What are you saying? Hitting, hitting Aaron's beard. What, what, what's... 
It's going all the way down to the scripture. What's, see, the, the old, and, and, and the Old Testament, when they got ready to, to, to consecrate or set aside uh, one for the priesthood, they anointed them with the oil. It ran down with the beard. Well, I took the liberty of doing this, which I hadn't done before, because it wasn't significant to me before. I looked at that word beard, the beard. A lot of times when we talk about, most of the time we look at the beard, we want to think that somebody's unclean or uncapped, or, but they need to make sure it's looking pretty decent. Amen. I don't mean ragged and stuff, okay? We're making myself very, very, very clear. So, with the Jewish custom, the beard, the beard had a symbolic meaning. It, it, it had a significance. When it talks about the, the beard, let me show you how, how, how uh, symbolic or how significant the man's beard was. was and it, was, it, it represents to that man his integrity. It represents his character. David had some men, and, and they were David's servants, and, and they had been, been in battle. And the enemy had caught his servants. And what they did to David's servants were, they shaved half of their beard off. Half of the beard was gone, and half of the beard was there. They cut their garments in the back, exposing their buttocks. So what, what David did, because of the, the significance of the beard, he had those men to go into a, a, a different location until it grew back. It represented their integrity. Their care. See, and, and when it came down to the Jewish things were totally different. And to show you how different it was, when it came down to the Egyptians, and I'm giving you a little bit of stuff, when it came down to the Egyptians, they, they commanded or they forbade men to wear a beard. They had to be clean shaven. Why? Think about it. Have you ever seen a picture that had those Egyptian men? You know, they look like women. They got the makeup on. You know, you, have you ever seen them painted? They're, they're painted up like women. You couldn't tell one from the other. I mean, they, they dressed just alike. But, but they, they forbade men to do that because, see, the, the Egyptian or Egypt represents the world, which is a place of limitation. So, so therefore, what God is saying, unity is so precious like the consecrated oil that anointed the priest. And by the way, we are the priests now. You know, we're, we're the priests. That oil runs down. It comes all the way down to the beard. In other words, your anointing just covers you. It covers your beard. It covers your integrity. It covers your character. And see, when you're unified, it, is, it shows all of that. It's a, it runs down his beard all the way down to his skirt. Now, it doesn't mean down to the hem. It means when it came down to the, the priestly rope, it talks about the, the lower part of his garment and top. So unity is, is such a way that God is saying it, it is so wonderful. It is so rare because you do not see unity in today's society. So he says, remember how important unity is because if Satan can get you disunified, first of all within yourself and then with everybody else, he knows he got you because that is his greatest weapon. Now, let's go on to see what else God says about unity. Says what he says about unity. Now, in verse number three, it says, uh, as, talking about unity, as the dew of Hermon. Hermon. Now, the word Hermon there means sanctuary. 
as the dew are the covering of the sanctuary, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Then it goes on to say, For there the Lord does what? Commanded the blessing, even life for how long? Evermore. So do you not see it? When we operate in unity, we got blessings forevermore. That's what God's words say. When we are unified, God says, you, you, you invoke the, the blessings of God, and it's not just, just for a little while. It's not temporal. He says it's forevermore. Now, let me tell you something else about unity, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna end on this. Yeah, we're going to end on this. Now, in the Bible, and in the book of Genesis, it talks about the Tower of Babel. I'm, I'm sure many of you already know about the Tower of Babel. It's a place of confusion. But what happens there, that they come together, people that did not know God, that was trying to build their own kingdom, they wanted to build a tower up to, to the heavens. Because it was all about them. They had gotten together. You know, where, where, where at one point the language was, was confused. They were operating in, in one language. In other words, they were speaking the same thing. But what happens when it comes down to unity and what they did there at the Tower of Babel, because they all came together. It, it wasn't this particular uh, nationality, this particular race. It wasn't none of that. They all came together on one accord. And when they came together on one accord, in other words, they were united, what happened, it caused God to step off his throne and begin to look down. Can you imagine? We can become so unified that God will look, take a peep and say, uh, I'm going to have to do something. You see, they were doing it all for the wrong reason. I'm about to pop something. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No, not today. Not the Holy Spirit said, not today. Amen. He said, not today. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, not today. Okay. So, so what happens here, God saw these wicked people that were wicked, how they had come together, and God said, I've got to go down. I've got to confuse them. And the reason why he had to confuse them, because they had become so unified. What would happen? What would happen if you and I became unified? What would happen if every family in the world would come unified? What would happen if, if, if every church would become unified as one body in Christ? What would, what would literally happen? What kind of movement would the body of Christ have if we all became united? You've got a church on every corner. Every corner. But what would happen if we all became unified? They could have their own churches in there on, on the corner. That's but if we all spoke the same thing. See, that's the thing. What happens if we all spoke the same thing? Do you not know all this mess that we see now would not be? And do you not know the mess that we see now, the reason why it is the way it is, is because the body of Christ don't stand up and we're not unified? Because if we had been unified, same-sex marriage would not be here. That, that, that stuff would not be here. Yeah, so, so, so the thing is this, being unified, being unified. How is, it in, how is it in the world that we can change what God said? God says man and woman. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Adam. Not Eve and I'm, hello. We're talking about the same message. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit. But those that don't believe, 
Go to Romans chapter number 1, verse number 20, and see what God says about it. Because we've got so many Christians that's in agreement with a whole lot of stuff that's not right. And so, well, that's their life. No. Oh, wait. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I got to pick it up. Who, who, how many of y'all believe this? How many of y'all believe this? This is the Bible. How many of y'all believe, really believe this? I mean, truly believe this. How many accept what God says in the book? That's the next thing. How many true, how many of us really accept it? How many of us are willing to read what God says and say, okay, God, I was wrong? Hello? Hello? How many of us? This is the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority. Your opinion, my opinion, none of that matters. What matters is what he say in the book. And what's in the book is what we're going to be judged by. So, so for, for us to say, mm, I, I don't think, I think they need to live it. But watch it. You know why? Because God hears that. And that, that goes against what God is saying. I hear your Holy Spirit. Why are we here? I hear your Holy Spirit. In a little while, after the Shemekah is over, God is going to rain down some stuff on this place because we went so far from God. We have totally gone far astray from God. It's about doing our own thing now. It's not about living by the word. I mean, God's going to release some stuff. We here in South Carolina have been escaped a lot of things. But when we begin to do and get in line with the world and operate like the world does, you do not know we'll just release wrath upon our own self. Hello. This is still unity because I'm, I'm united with Christ. Because I'm only saying what he says. So go to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter one and read it. Read it. Read it till you get the understanding of what God's saying. Read it. Read it. And you'll see. A lot of things that's happening in the world is not of God. But the message that God wants to give us today is one about being united. You see, when it comes down to the body of Christ, until we all speak the same thing, there will always be this unity. You know why? Because that's Satan's greatest weapon. That's his greatest weapon. That is his greatest weapon, this unity. Think about it. Did you want your life, first of all, Got to be united in here, within. So there's got to be a change within in order to be unified externally. The inside has to become one. Then the outside can become one. Spiritual weapon is unity. You want some things done? I don't know how many people fasted. I don't know how many people prayed with passion with prayer. But I'm going to tell you something. I know it works. How do I know it works? Because I did it. And there were some things that needed to be done. And I prayed about some things. And God, God moved on. See, it's so important that we use these spiritual weapons. we got weapons, y'all. We've got weapons that we can use that God has given us. But it's up to every individual to use the spiritual weapons that God has given us. And we're going to end on that. We're ending on unity. And we're going to wait and see. Go ahead and give a hand cup of praise. I like that. Amen. I like that. Amen. Amen. Because at least he knew I had come to an end. Amen. Amen. So that let me know he was paying attention. Amen. 
Amen. So let's praise. Let's give God another hand clap of praise. Amen. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Unity. 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 That's your spirit. That's your weapon that God has given us for today. Unity. You have to be united. United with our own self. United in our homes. United in our churches. United wherever occupation God has placed you. You have to be united and speak what God says. And then you're united with Christ. Today we won't do the CDs because we want to make sure that everybody's able to go over in time. So we want to continue to fellowship because we're going to continue the services there at the building. Uh, some of the youth, uh, thank and praise God for they're going to perform this little skit. And uh, we're praying that they they are not afraid and that they'll just let themselves be free, let loose and let go. Amen. So we invite all of you to make sure you come over and enjoy yourself. And we've got more than enough food for everybody. Amen. More than enough. So y'all and y'all enjoy enjoy yourself. So I do want to say, uh, do we have any prayer requests? Do we have any prayer requests? Okay. Sister Laverne. Give me your mom's first name, please. Oh, that's right. 